Hi everyone, my name is Johnny, I'm an addict. Um, I don't know, I'm really nervous. Uh, I was actually pretty stoked to find out that I was speaking at the very first meeting, hopefully that nobody was here to register on time. <laughs> uh, that didn't work out very well. Um, uh, and like what was just said, uh, today is actually my clean date. I got clean 10 years ago on this day. Uh, I put myself into a detox. Uh, but, you know, I guess I'll start a little bit from the beginning. I was born and raised uh, in Toronto. Um, you know, I, I was born in 1979. Um, it was different, right? Uh, Toronto back then was a lot different than it is now. Um, you know, um, I grew up um, in pretty bad neighborhoods, uh, I guess you can say, right? especially, you know, in the 80s, early 80s. Um, throughout the 80s. Uh, I used to spend a lot of my time in Regent Park and on Danforth and, and things like that. Uh, so the things that I would see on a daily basis, um, I just thought was normal, right? You know, I would see drug use uh, at a very early age. I would see street workers, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And, you know, I, I really didn't have anything to compare my life to, so I just thought it was normal. I just thought that everyone lived the way that I lived. and. You know, I just went about my day. I never really thought too much into it. Um, you know, it didn't take long, uh, you know, getting into the lifestyle, I guess. You know, you, you know, most of the time, you know, people become a product of their environment. And that was, that was pretty much the case for myself. You know, it didn't take too long for me to hang out with the wrong people and get into, you know, bad situations and, and things like that. But, you know, like I said, I just thought it was normal, right? Everyone was doing it. And, uh, you know, it just went from there. Um, you know, after growing up downtown, you know, my, my parents, uh, they moved me out to Scarborough, right, just to get a, a little bit further away from the whole downtown scene. But, you know, Toronto is Toronto, and, you know, it doesn't really matter where you go in Toronto. There's drug use and bad apples all over the place, right? Um, so, yeah, you know, that was... Uh, I was there uh, when I was in grade four. I moved to Scarborough, and uh, you know things were okay. You know I was my parents worked hard, right? They were really good parents, actually. Uh, you know they did a lot for me. Uh, you know got me into hockey and, and things like that. Um, but uh, my life pretty much took a spiral downward, uh, pretty much overnight, right? Um, I started using when I was in grade four. Um, so, you know, from there it was just something that I did every single day and, you know, things like that. But when I was in grade, grade 8, uh, just before my grade 8 graduation, um, my father went to Japan for his best friend's wedding. Right? He was the best man at his best friend's wedding and, and he ended up passing away in his sleep, right? Um, I remember talking to him the day before on the phone and asking him to bring, don't forget to bring back gifts from Japan and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I get a phone call the very next, two days later, um, saying that my dad passed away, right? Uh, my dad suffered from sleep, sleep uh, apnea, right? And, you know, in 93, you know, it wasn't as common as, as it is now where, you know, you have like those breathing machines and all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, so he passed away in his sleep, right? As he was visiting Japan, right? So it was, kind of a spiral uh, in my life, downward. Um, my head could, would not stop spinning, right? 
uh, kept thinking everything was a, some sort of a dream and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, needless to say, it was, you know, it was very real, right? Um, so I was 14 years old, um, going to my dad's funeral, right? Uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty traumatic. Uh, I have, an, I have a, a sister who's four years older than myself and a, a younger brother who's seven years younger than me. And, uh, you know, that's what we all had to deal with, right? My mom was, you know, completely out of it, right? Um, I would say, you know, it pretty much damaged her just like it did, you know, myself and my brother and my sister. But, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm Japanese and, uh, you know, things that happen in the household are very hush-hush, right? Like, you know, I probably should have gone to some sort of counseling or, you know, things like that. But, you know, it was the 80s. Nobody really did that kind of stuff, right? Uh, so I just dealt with it, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, that's how my, uh, my summer was before I went into high school, was just going to funerals. And it was a ripple effect because as soon as that happened, my grandmother passed away, which is my dad's mom, and then my dad's dad passed away, and then my best friend's mom passed away. And it was literally that entire summer I was going from funeral to funeral to funeral to funeral, right? And, uh, you know, my head was just constantly spinning, right? I could not stop. Um, I had some spinning. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything, right? Uh, the one thing that I knew worked was drug use, right? Uh, it's the only thing that I was able to slow me down a little bit so that I could at least maintain, right? Um, needless to say, being an addict, um, I would use more and more and more and more and, you know, combinations of things and, and, and things like that, right? So it didn't take too long for things to escalate uh, quickly for myself, right? Um, you know, by that time I was already uh, dealing um, you know, and then I go into high school, right, which was uh, a joke for myself because I, I, I couldn't sit there and concentrate, right? I couldn't sit in the classroom and hear a teacher explain to me, you know, you know, geography or, you know, typing class or whatever. I just couldn't sit still, right? So I would skip school and just use, right? And that's what my high school was. Um, you know, I did that up until they kicked me out of high school. Um, you know, I... I got kicked out of high school with nine credits. Uh, eight of them they gave me because I was in grade nine for three years. They were like, just go to grade 10. Like, you know, I don't want to see your face anymore. Go to grade 10. Here you go, right? You're a free pass. Go to grade 10. And I got one one grade 10 credit, and then I got kicked out, right? Um, which I didn't really care because, I was, like I said, I was in active addiction at that point. So, you know, it just opened up the doors for me to use more, right? And uh, by that time, I was getting into the whole rave scene and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, and uh, things escalate very quickly if you're in the rave scene, right? Uh, literally overnight, right? Uh, so, you know, my addiction uh, took a spiral down even further, right? Uh, because I knew I found out harder drugs to use and different ways to use them and, and things like that, right? Uh, at that point, you know, I was picking up dope from one dealer and paying it off to another dealer and just kind of bouncing back and forth, right? Just kind of keeping afloat just to support my habit, right? Um, so fast forward a little bit. Um, I thought everything in my life was great at that point. Uh, I didn't realize that, you know, I was skin and bones, right? I'm a pretty small dude right now, but I was even thinner when I was in active addiction. Uh, but, uh, you know, I woke up one day uh, I was uh, 20, 26 years old, 
uh, September 30th, actually, uh, on this day 10 years ago, and uh, it was like I, I had a, a moment of clarity, right? You know, I actually saw myself through another person's eyes, like as if I was another person looking at myself, and here I am at my mom's house in Scarborough, my mom's apartment building, and I turned my room into a complete disaster, right? And uh, I thought to myself, what the hell am I doing, right? You know, like, I'm, I had everything growing up, right? I had absolutely everything, and I blew it all away. Um, so, you know, here I am, I'm living at my mom's house, right? And uh, nothing to show for my life, right? I'm a disaster, I'm a complete wreck. And uh, I knew that if I didn't change something, I was going to die, right? And it's weird, too, because prior to all this stuff, you know, I used to, I had different phases of my addiction, right? Like, first I was going to raves, and I got into the whole uh, 60s, 70s music, and, you know, I wanted to be like, you know, I wanted to be dead uh, by the age of 27. That was actually a goal of mine, right? I wanted to be dead by the age of 27, because that's when all the, the good rock stars die, right? You know what I mean? I was like, I want to be like them, right? That's my destiny, right? Uh, so here I am, 26 years old, uh, four months before I turned 27, and I had this moment of clarity, right? And then um, I ended up calling my cousin, uh, who was also who was also a drug addict, right? And he was clean at the time. And uh, I called him up, right? And I was like, you know what? I, I need some help, and I think I'm a I think I have a drug problem. And he just laughed at me. He was like, I know, you know, I know you have a drug problem. It's about time you figured it out, right? He kind of just laughed at me, right? And I'm like, well, what do I do? And he's like, hold on a second, you know, I'm going to get you some numbers and, you know, I'm going to get you a number for a detox. I'm like, okay, cool, right? And then he calls me back like three minutes later and he gives me this number and I'm like, well, can you call him for me? Right? <laughs> he's like, no, I do that shit on your own, right? Right? Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of bit the bullet a little bit, and I called up the detox number, right? And uh, they said there was a bed available, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go, like, now, right? Uh, <laughs> right? So I called my cousin up, and I'm like, yeah, they said there was a bed available. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to get you in about five minutes and, you know, pack whatever you need for a couple of days, and we're going right now. And I'm just like, oh, my God, right? Uh, so I, I pull up into this detox. It was right at... Uh, St. Joe's Hospital, right off the Gardner, uh, downtown, um, and that was the scariest walk I've ever did in my life, right, um, which is weird, you know, growing up in the streets of Toronto and, and things like that, you know, I would hang out in alleyways at four in the morning with the grimiest people, and I'd feel safe, right, but going from that car, 30 steps to ringing this doorbell at the detox was terrifying, right, uh, extremely terrifying for myself because I knew that if I walked through that door, I wasn't going to be able to use that day, right? And it just scared the hell out of me, right? Um, because I, I'd never gone a day without using, right? Ever, right? Since I was, you know, uh, 10 years old, right? Um, it terrified me. But anyways, I walked through there and, uh, you know, at first when they told me it was a, a co-ed detox, and, and things like that, I was like, great, you know what I mean, there's chicks in here, and, you know, I'm, I go inside, and I'm like, oh my god, right, I'm like, I don't want to be hooking up with any of these chicks in here, right, they're, they're pretty, you know, they look worse than I do, right, and I was like, oh my god, right, uh, wasn't what I thought it was going to be, right, um, and it was using in detox, right? And it was right downtown. People were throwing packages over the fence and all that kind of stuff. And 
you know, using in the washrooms, and I was like, you know, just stuck to myself. I, I just, you know, um, just stayed by myself, right? And uh, I started eating, right? Obviously, um, but you know, I got through that night, which was horrible because I couldn't sleep, right? Uh, you know, just tossing and turning all night. But I eventually did get to sleep, and I woke up the next day, and I was like, holy crap, I got one day clean, right? And uh, I was amazed, right? I never thought that would be possible, right? Um, and I just, you know, stuck to myself again and, and woke up the very next day and I had two days clean, right? And I continued on. And, and uh, by the time I left the detox, I had 11 days clean, um, which totally amazed me, right? Because I was like, every single day that I woke up, I thought to myself, maybe this is actually possible, right? Maybe I could actually do this, right? Because nowhere in my whole entire life that I ever think I'd be able to get through one day of, of, of not using, and here I am with 11 days clean, right? It totally blew me away. And, uh, you know, I, I started believing in myself just a little bit, right? I started to think, you know what, maybe there's something better for me, right? Um, and that's all it took, right? Uh, from there, I ended up going to a transitional housing place out in Newmarket called Porter Place, which I don't believe is open anymore. I think they shut it down. Um, and I stayed there for a month, um, which was like a men. It's like three dorms, right? So one was for men, one was for uh, special needs people, and then another one was for couples with, with children, right? So we were all in separate dorms, right? And the men's dorm had like 30 guys in it, and they were all coming or going from a, uh, from a treatment center, right? Uh, maybe there, there was a lot of using there too, right? And uh, what I did was I just stayed in my room and watched um, the entire season of Oz. Because right? I, I told my cousin to bring up a DVD player in the TV, so I had something to do, and I, I just literally sat there and watched Oz for 30 days straight, right? Uh, and then from there, I ended up... Uh, getting the number for a treatment center in Hamilton, right? And, uh, you know, they told me to call this number, and I, it was a, a treatment center, uh, a three-month treatment center, and uh, which I was totally all gung-ho for at this point because I had, you know, just over a month clean at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I called up the treatment center, and they told me, you know, I'm sorry, there's no bed, there's no room available, you know, call back tomorrow, right? So, and this is at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, right? So I'm like, okay, no problem, I'll call you guys back tomorrow. I waited an hour, right? I called them back at nine in the morning, and I was like, "It's, it's Johnny, you know, I, I, I need a bed." Uh, da 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 da. And they were like, "There's no room available. Call back tomorrow, right?" I'm like, "Okay, no problem." And I called back in an hour. I did this for like four or five hours straight, right? I called every hour on the hour. By one o'clock, they were like, "Get your ass here tomorrow, and uh, we'll have your assessment, right?" I'm like, yes, "Right." So I ended up getting into treatment. Uh, just out of sheer determination, I guess, or just annoyance, right? Uh, I just bugged the hell out of this guy every hour, and he finally said there was a, a bed available for some reason, and I got in there, right? Um, and uh, there was where I, I basically had my first introduction to uh, NA, right? Because it was mandatory to go to treatment. Um, and, uh, you know, at first I didn't really think, you know, 12 step meetings were going to help me, right? Just because, you know, I would hear. You know, you go to a room uh, with other, you know, using addicts, but they're clean, and you guys are all going to stay clean together, right? And I'm like, how's that going to work, right? You know, like, I've been hanging out with using addicts all my life, and nothing, nothing ever got better, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I was just like, oh, no, no, right? 
but they had free coffee and I was able to bump cigarettes and I was like, okay, I'll go, right? Um, so, you know, whatever gets you into the doors, just do it, right? Uh, eventually things will start to unfold. It's what it did for me, right? Um, at first, you know, I, I went to uh, all three fellowships, right? Because, you know, it was mandatory to go to meetings every single day. And uh, during that time, though, for like the first six months or so, uh, I started to gear towards Narcotics Anonymous, right? Because the things that I would, uh, I would hear there and the things that I've seen and the people that were there, you know, I related to the most, right? Um, you know, so I started going strictly to NA uh, because that's where I felt most at home, right? Um, I started reading the basic texts. And uh, just like most people that read the basic text, it's like, who the hell was following me while they're writing this book and all that stuff, right? And I, you know, who was spying on me this entire time of my using, right? I'm trying to visualize, like, you know, somebody stalking me the whole time, right? Uh, because everything that I read in this book made sense, right? Everything in this book I felt, right? I, I lived it and I felt it. And, you know, the stories that I would read at the back was just, you know... Um, it really hit home because a lot of these stories of of uh, pain and sorrow and and you know the wanting and the, and the wanting to change my life but just couldn't because of the addiction was so strong and all those kinds of things was my life right that's what I struggled with my entire life right and uh, I felt so at home right I felt so at home um, I like how the the what is narcotics anonymous program the very first reading you know it's you know, it says it right there. We, we don't care if you're male or female, what your religions are, you know, you know what you did in the past, you know, how much money you have, all those kinds of things. It doesn't matter. If you have a desire to stay clean, you belong, right? And uh, that was that's so important, right, for myself because, you know, I'm in a city. I was in Hamilton, right? I've never been to Hamilton, and uh, I'm there all by myself, and I, I'm, the only thing that I had to cling on to was the Narcotics Anonymous Program. Right? And uh, the people in it uh, made me feel at home. Right? They, they opened up their arms to me, right? which I thought was really weird because you know, here I am, a, you know, a juvenile delinquent street punk right? uh, who took from everybody uh, you know, to a play and coming to a place where people were you know, feeding me and inviting me into their homes and, you know, uh, making me feel welcome and giving me lifts to meetings and, and all these things and doing it all out of, you know, um, just kindness, right? And, you know, it totally took me for a loop, right? Because, uh, it, you know, my entire life, everything was take, right? Everything was take. Um, so, you know, it was a, a, a good eye-opener, right? Um, you know, uh, I would hear a lot of times when I go to meetings, you know, a lot of people say, you know, oh, I come to meetings because, you know, I want my old life back, right? Well, that's not the case for me because my life was terrible, right? Uh, I wanted a new, way of, a new way of life, right? I wanted to know what was out there that I could uh, attain, right? Because, like, you know, growing up in the streets of Toronto, you know, your, your, um, your dreams become very small, right? Uh, very, very small, especially in active addiction, right? You know, you, I lived in like a, an 18 block radius and that's, I thought was the entire world, right? Uh, but coming into recovery uh, and hanging out with people that are clean, you know, I really had the, the opportunity to experience life for the first time ever, right? Um, and it's all because of this program, right? Uh, you know, um, 
I've had opportunities to, you know, travel, right, uh, which I would never do in Active Edition because it would dip into my using funds, right, um, <coughs> things like that. Uh, but uh, my very first eye-opener in this program, I would definitely have to say, would be conventions, right? Um, my very first convention was in 2007. It was an Orkna convention out in London, and I was amazed because it was like, you know, 1,500 people in this hotel room, and and everyone's clean, right? Um, you know, and everyone's like running around and talking to people and having all this fun, you know. Um, it was just amazing to see something like that, right? Like, I've been to, you know, gatherings with that many people, but everyone was high as a kite, right? Uh, you know, so it's a little different, right? Um, and, a, and a funny thing actually happened at that convention. We, I remember sitting outside uh, that convention in the smoking section, because that's what we all do, right? Smoke, right? Drink coffee and smoke, right? Uh, but this guy came up, and, you know, he's like some street kid, right? And he's like, oh, who's playing here at this con? Who's playing here at this, uh, at this hotel? And, you know, I'm sitting there with my friends from Hamilton. I'm like, what are you talking about, right? And he's like, who's playing here? Like, why are you guys all here? And we're like, well, we're recovering addicts, and we're at a Narcotics Anonymous convention, right? And he's just looking at us, and he just takes off down the street, right? <laughs> and I'm just dying of laughter. I'm like, oh, my God, right? That was hilarious, right? Uh, you know? But, uh, you know... It, it really uh, made me feel um, uh, a part of, right? Uh, because, you know, the more conventions that I would go to and the more, you know, speaker jams or other area meetings and stuff like that, you know, I started to meet people um, and connect with people and, you know, um, things that has it has given me throughout that, you know, I've, I've traveled to, uh, like, Quebec, um, conventions out there, you know, I've been to conventions where it's completely French, and I don't speak a word of French, right, uh, but, you know, I would hear French speakers speak, and I don't know what exactly what they're saying, but you can feel it, right? you can feel what they're saying without even understanding what they're saying, right, you can just feel the emotion of people when they, when they, when they share honestly, um, and uh, it doesn't matter that I don't know what they're saying, right, because, you know, we're all one family, right? Um, that's the best part of it, about it, right? You know, uh, I've never felt um, pushed away or anything like that, right? Uh, you know, um, yeah, I've never felt pushed away. Um, you know, uh, still trying to find more Asians in these rooms, right? Maybe I got to go to Japan or something like that, go to a convention, <laughs> right? But there's only like three that I've met in 10 years, right? Uh, so I don't know. Um, but, you know, one thing that I was told was uh, when I was a newcomer at my very first year uh, was a from a friend of mine is you got to stay because, you know, the next Asian that comes in here, you know, he's going to have somebody to talk to, right? Um, so, you know, I guess deep down inside, you know, I want to make people feel as comfortable as, as everyone else has done for me. Um, and, uh, you know, what this program has given me, um, besides, you know, a life of not using, which is a, an amazing gift, right? Uh, I uh, started to build a relationship again with my mom right, um, my sister, um, my niece, right, um, you know, I, my, 
actually caught, got a phone call from my sister today uh, through video Facebook thing, and uh, my 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 nephew has never seen me used. Right? Um, that's actually pretty cool. Right? He's never gonna know how much of a shit show I actually was. Right? Uh, and hopefully he never has to experience that. Right? Um, I also got some good news from my sister today that she's pregnant again. So I'm gonna be an uncle again. Uh, it's pretty cool, right? Um, yeah, uh, this, is, this is actually a really weird day. Uh, I'm actually a little bit scattered, right? Because not only is it my clean date and I'm speaking at a convention, I got laid off today from work, right? <laughs> this is weird, right? Uh, my very last day at my, at my job is, was today, right? Uh, this is pretty crazy, right? So I never really had too much time to think about what I was gonna share. Um, I try not to anyways because it never works out the way I thought it was gonna, going to anyways, right? So I just kind of wing it. Um, but uh, maybe I should play the lottery today because I don't know. This September 30th seems to be a big part in my life, I guess. Right? Uh, <laughs> um, but like I said, what this program has given me, um, coming from a person who has never had a job longer than a couple of weeks until I got my first paycheck and then dipped, right? Um, I've been able to work steady for the past 10 years. Um, I managed to support myself and, you know, by living on my own, uh, things like that. Um, went to meetings every single day, right, for the longest time. Um, you know, started doing service work, uh, you know, things like that. You know, I have an awesome partner today. Um, he was actually the chairperson. That's why I gave her a kiss. So I don't think it was <laughs> I ran <laughs> you know, chair people all the time. That's not <laughs> not what I do. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, uh, the last year has actually been pretty cool for myself, right? Um, I have two stepkids. Um, and now I'm a grandpa, right? Uh, I'm a 37-year-old grandpa. Right? Uh, weird. Uh, but, uh, you know, I love it. Right? I love it. Right? Um, when I come home from work, uh, I'm actually disappointed when she's sleeping, right? Because I want to, you know, hold her and play with her and, you know, just be myself, right? Uh, have some fun. Uh, so it's kind of disappointing when she's sleeping, right? Kind of pisses me off a little bit, right? But, you know, I, I wait for her to wake up and then I, I go and play with her and things like that, um, which is kind of like, you know, something that I enjoy today. Um, and it's amazing um, what this program can do because, you know, certain things I never really thought uh, I would enjoy, right? Um, because I was just so clouded with the getting and using uh, of of drugs that you know I missed out on so many things that so many things that I actually enjoy doing I, I pushed so far behind me that I forgot I even enjoy that I even enjoy doing those things right um, you know I love spending time with my family um, my mom and my sister and and things like that um, you know it's uh, this program is a blessing, right? Really, right? And it's it's just a matter of how willing um, how willing I was to hold, take on that opportunity, right? Because you know a lot of people say you know you were lucky to get 
clean and never pick up a white key tag and all these kinds of things. But the definition of luck is when opportunity meets preparedness, right? And the opportunity of recovery was right there in front of me and I had nowhere else to turn and I jumped on that opportunity, right? I was prepared to go to any lengths to attain whatever this program had to offer, right? And uh, I, I did it, right? Um, every, everything that was suggested to me, um, I did, right? Uh, and the reason why they're suggestions, they, they call them suggestions, but you're actually just supposed to do them. But they, but <laughs> they call them suggestions because you cannot tell a fresh addict what to do. Like, you can't tell me what to do, right? Uh, if somebody told me, you have to go to this, and you have to do that, and you have to find somebody and get a sponsor, and da 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 I'd be like, go screw yourself, right? I'm not doing none of that stuff, right? Because I'm so self-centered and defiant that I would just do the opposite, right? Which I've done my entire life, right? So, you know, just hearing, oh, we suggest that you, you know, go to 90 meetings 90 days. And, you know, we suggest that during that time, you know, you kind of keep your eyes open and get yourself a sponsor and start working the steps, right? If, you know, you want to get better and things like that. And, you know, so uh, I did those things, right? And step work for me, um, I, I actually enjoy it, right? Because it's, I like solving puzzles, right? That's something that I always enjoy doing. There's my granddaughter right there. Um, okay. um, I enjoy puzzles, right? Uh, I've always enjoyed puzzles, right? It's something that I've always done, like brainstorming puzzles and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so when I started doing step work, it was just like the greatest puzzle in the world, right? Because the greatest puzzle in the world for me is who am I, right? Who, who am I? What makes me tick? Why, why do I do certain things when certain situations happen or you know why do I always resort to these things when I feel these emotions or whatever right and that's what step work is for me right it's it's finding out who I really am right uh, and learning how to express myself and and facing fears and you know um, jumping on opportunities and, and going for my dreams and, and things like that right and building confidence and and doing all these things that, you know, um, I lost a long time ago, right? Um, you know, um, I never really thought too much uh, when I was young of, you know, what what I was meant to be, right? Because I started using it at such a young age when I would, teachers in like, you know, middle school, they'd be like, what do you want to be when you want to grow up? And I would hear kids say, you know, they wanted to be, you know, a police officer or this or that. And all I could think of was, I just want to use, right? I, you know, I never really, I lost that dream a long time ago, right? Um, so coming into this program and, and doing some step work and, and uh, clearing the fog out of my head, um, you know, I... I love working with my hands. I love doing construction. I love doing things like that, right? Um, and that's coming from a person who's a lazy fuck all my life, right? Like I hated work, right? I, I couldn't understand the concept of work when, you know, I would make money just selling dope, right? I, I, it would blow my mind. Um, you know, I remember all through all my teens and in my early 20s, I would be high as a kite, right, obviously, uh, and using all night till like 6, 7 in the morning and watching the traffic reports on the Don Valley Parkway, right, and seeing all these cars just going to work early in the morning, I was like, 
you idiots. You know what I mean? Like, what are you guys doing, right? You know, why are you guys going to work? You guys are suckers, right? Like, right? Uh, things like that, right? And But that's where my mind was, right? I, I Everything that I had in my life was attained with... Um, with dirty money, right? Basically, right? It was. I never. Um, I never bought anything with my own money, right? It was all dirty money, right? Everything was dirty money, right? And uh, today, you know, when I, I get my paycheck, right? I'm. I feel good, right? I feel good because I actually worked for my money, right? It's not like, you know, I lied and cheated and and hurt somebody to get whatever, right? I, you know, I, I put in my own time and effort, uh, and, uh, you know, when I do buy something, you know, it's with my own money. I know it's not tainted, right? Uh, which is a good feeling, right? Um, it's easy to sleep at night today, right? Um, I don't flinch, uh, when a cop drives by me with their sirens on, right? I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll point to the cop and be like, the guy ran over there, right? You know, <laughs> things like that. It's something that I would never, ever do, right? Uh, you know, I haven't hopped over fences uh, in over 10 years, right? Uh, I haven't been in the back of a cop car in 10 years, right? There's all these things that recovery actually has to offer, right? Um, living that life of active addiction is such a heavy grind, right? And it breaks people, right? Uh, I knew uh, right from the very beginning of my recovery um, that uh, if I didn't change my life, um, I was going to die one of three ways, right? I was either going to die from the lifestyle, right? Because the lifestyle can kill me just as fast as any drug, right? I was going to die... Um, uh, by the drugs itself, right? Or uh, I would die by doing something stupid in jail, right? It was the, one of the three things that were going to happen to me in my life if I didn't change my life, right? So, um, you know, it was just something that I had to do, right? Uh, something that at that point in my life, you know, um, my perception of what I wanted in my life started to change because I was, you know, no longer in such a daze anymore that, you know, the things that I wanted was to live a life, right? And uh, that's what this program had to offer me and has given me. And uh, for anybody who is new um, uh, at the very first convention or, you know, just new period, um, it's a little bit uh, overwhelming, right, obviously. Um, you know, seeing a whole bunch of people smiling where you're still scattered inside, right, it's kind of, can be a little bit, uh, distracting, I guess, right, but, uh, you know, just keep coming, right, um, things definitely do get better, um, it may take a little bit of time, some people, uh, feel, um, good quicker than others and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, if you keep coming, right, and reach out, uh, when you're struggling, um, good things will happen, right, good things will definitely happen as long as you put in a little bit of effort, um, you know, your life will change, right? It definitely has for me, right? Um, you know, uh, 10 years ago today, I was in a detox, sweating, um, struggling, um, with no hope in my, in, you know, in my eyes, right, uh, to where I am today, right? And uh, I just want to say, 
thank you for the CCNA convention for allowing me to share a little bit of my life um, with you guys. And uh, hopefully I uh, shared something that you guys could uh, hold on to. And uh, hopefully it's a good start of your convention. So, thanks.